This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined as per usual by my special Texas friend from Austin. He is the executive strategist of Salesforce Marketing Cloud, the one, the only, Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, it is great to be here, and I am indeed a real person, and I am doing real work today uh, as compared to the other 364 days of the year. <laughs> Mostly we're just recording podcasts today, so I guess if that That's constitutes right. real work in social media, then uh, we can check that box, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but so glad to uh, to be here. And I, I, I tell you, as, as we were just kind of getting set up, I'm so glad that we are talking to a Knoxvillian on the show today. That That's pretty special. That doesn't happen that often. And that's, that's, that's something that's near and dear to my heart, as you know. We do not have that many Vols or people associated with the Vols on Social Pros. In fact, our special guest here on episode 260. Three uh, made an appearance on the show. I think it was episode 134, just 30 months ago or something like that. Every every two and a half years, we just drag his old bones out on the show. It is Mark Schaefer, who is the executive director of Schaefer Marketing Solutions, proprietor of the Grow blog, uh, author of like a million books, including his brand new one, which is spectacular. We'll talk about it today, called Known: The Handbook for Building and Unleashing Your Personal Brand in the Digital Age and co-host of a very fine podcast in his own right called The Marketing Companion uh, with our mutual pal, Mr. Tom Webster. Mark, welcome back to Social Pros. I'm glad to finally be back. <laughs> 30 months. 30, that's, 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 that's a long time. What I, do, long time. What, what, what I do to piss you off? Well, that's the life cycle of a social media expert. Is exactly what it is. It's thirty months. That's, uh, that's what Seriously, I love the new book. It's really great. Thank you. Uh, it, it is. There's a lot of books out there about quote unquote personal branding. I know you hate that term, mm-hmm. as, as many people do. But there's a lot. It is a book about that. We just don't want to call it that. But the, there's a lot of books out there about it. This is the finest book uh, anywhere close to that topic I've ever read. Uh, it is super practical. It is super true. Uh, and it is digestible and achievable by just about anybody, which is really the thesis, is it not? It is. And and thanks so much for the for the very kind words. I, I am proud of the book. And um, the reaction to the book has has been kind of unexpected in a way, because as you said, I've I've written I haven't written People a million like this books. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the other five, they're like, meh. But this one, they're like, man, this is good. Well, the other five books have, have done very well, and they continue they to have. do very well. But the difference with this one is that people 
are coming back to me and they're sending me messages saying, this is a book that's changing my life. The first audible review on this said, this is the most inspiring book I've ever heard. And I did not expect that. It's a book I'm very proud of, but I was just so close to it for so long. I, I didn't expect it would have that emotional connection with people that it's, that it's had. Uh, really, I, I can see how that could be the case. I mean, you didn't write it to be inspirational necessarily, but the story is contained in the book of, of what we would consider to be, I think, real people who have managed yeah. to use uh, content marketing, social media, sort of digital presence to uh, improve their own notoriety and therefore their career and therefore their life. Uh, you know, it, it's really, it is inspirational because it is so achievable. I think that's where the inspiration comes from this book, that you don't need to be uh, somebody who has um, a massive following to begin with. You don't need to be an executive of a huge company or you don't need to have some sort of degree in social media. You you can actually do this if you follow the lessons in the book and, and obviously put the considerable time required against it. Yeah, and, and I was intentional about that, about connecting the, the stories and the path to real people and not just marketing people, but, you know, people in all different walks of life. And I was also intentional. It was a difficult decision, but as you know, in the introduction of the book, I kind of talk about my own life and I talk about a dark part of my life, a very traumatic part of my life, which is really the, it was the beginning of my journey to become known. That's where I was. And the reason I did that was it was kind of a literary way to put my arm around the reader's shoulder and say, look, wherever you are in your life, I was below that. Come on, let's do that. And I was, I, I interviewed nearly a hundred people for the book. And I think maybe 60 kind of made it into the book. Some just little mentions, but the big stories in the book that I chose it, it was from people who started with nothing to show nobody's born an expert. Uh, nobody's born, uh, these, everyone that we look up to, they, they had to earn their way. They had to work very hard for a long period of time. And that's something we know. Um, but for, for people just starting out, it can be very overwhelming. It can be very intimidating. And I, I did want to inspire people through the stories in the book to show, look, if these people can do it, you can do it too. You, you, you've interviewed so many people, uh, for, from, from really all walks of, of life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you pick them? Was there like an open casting call? Like, like, so you think you can dance? You went out of theater in Knoxville and said, uh, come tell me your story of notoriety. And then you had a panel of judges, uh, uh, Jennifer Lopez, et cetera, helped you? Well, it was very simple. I went out to a lot of my friends and I explained what I was trying to do. And I said, I want to find people who are known in their industry, but not marketing. <laughs> Anything but marketing. Because I didn't want this to be just about social media and marketing. And, and I had a hypothesis going into the book, but I learned a lot too, Jay. I mean, I when I write a book, I let the research write the book. And I cert heard certain themes come through these stories and these people that it was a great lesson to me too. So so I learned a lot and I let, I let them tell the story of, of how to become known. What surprised you the most after doing all those interviews? You know, um, two things, I think. Number one was, the last question I asked every person was, if you could 
give some word of advice or encouragement to someone who's reading this book, what would it be? And almost every person used some form of the word consistency or resilience or mm-hmm. tenacity. And, and what I learned, Jay, it, it came through in such a powerful way that just outlasting people makes a difference. Um, uh, that, that being consistent, viciously consistent, can, can overcome a lot of things. Uh, it, it might be more important than raw talent. It might be more important than, than a big idea. And um, I don't know if you remember this or not. Maybe you do. But the genesis of the book really started with a conversation between you and me. And I think hey I might now. Where's it, my royalty checks? It's in the mail. Thank you. I promise. <laughs> um, so when I was working on the content code, you and I went back with this dialogue about can anybody become known? Oh, yeah, and the, res- the, uh, the it factor. Yeah, yeah your know. response, you came back and you said, I don't know. It just seems like there's an it factor. And people have asked me, how do I become known? How do I become like you? And you said, I don't think I could train someone to do it. And I that was the, really the thing that kick-started this. I never forgot that conversation. And I became obsessed with this idea. Is there a path? Is there a process? Can anybody become known? And what I found was the the people that I interviewed, they all did the same four things. You almost might include persistence or consistency as a fifth thing, but it, mm-hmm. it, it that's the overarching thing is that the, the biggest problem is that people give up too soon. On average, it took two and a half years for people to really start realizing their goals. What, and it's not just about money. You can be, want to be known for a lot of things. You might want your ideas to be spread, or you wanna, might want to be invited to be on a board, or you might want to raise money for a charity. So whatever your goals are, it took about two and a half years. And I think that kind of passes the sniff test for me too, is that the people we know who have worked hard to be known, there is no overnight success. Uh, it, it takes a, a, a lot of time and a lot of work. And I'll be honest with you, I was kind—I of, would have—I would have loved to have written the book six months to a pers- powerful personal brand, yeah. a powerful personal brand in under a hundred days. It's just not there. Nobody, not one person I talked to, um, made it under a year. Kind of one year was the low part. Five years was the other extreme. So that sweet spot was between really year two and year three. It's, I couldn't agree more that, that in some cases you succeed because everybody else gets tired or bored. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and if you can prevent yourself from becoming tired or bored, eventually some of your competition uh, fades away. I'm also not entirely certain how I feel about you writing an entire book to disprove me wrong. Uh, but <laughs> but that, seems like, that seems like you could have just said, no, I disagree. But if you want to write a whole book well, about it, I didn't it, know. That's, that's I honestly didn't know. <laughs> that's, that's I mean that was that was that that yeah, was yeah. the intellectual prompt. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. That was the intel that I mean it, one of the things in the book I talk about uh, I, I it, for each stage I have lots of exercises in the books and prompts. Yeah. And one of really, the pr- one of the things I love about the book is it's so actionable you actually Yeah, do it, this it, because thing. I just it's like a workbook in it a was, book. It was it was my passion because 
you know, I just, this whole thing about if you can dream it, you can believe it, you can be it, follow your dream. You know, the world just doesn't work that way. And I'm just begging people, have a plan, have a plan. And I wanted to have exercises in the book just so there's no excuse. And one of the exercises in the book, one of the prompts is, what is your tennis ball? And the, the analogy is sometimes you see a dog that chases a tennis ball and just won't let go. What is your tennis ball? And my tennis ball for three years was not being able to answer that question that you and I had. I just couldn't get it out of my mind. I became obsessed with it and led to an insane amount of research. And I went down this rabbit hole of interviewing way too many people, but it just got really interesting and fascinating. And every person I talked to just opened up a new idea, opened up a new coloration or nuance to to, to the book. And uh, so you were my tennis ball, Jay Bear. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you you mentioned a moment ago this concept of of scorekeeping of mm. what why do you want to become known mm-hmm. and how do you know when that has happened? Do you have advice for listeners to social pros who want to become known? And I think it's very very common amongst people who are social media professionals that they feel like they they need to create more notoriety for themselves and that that will help propel their career. Um, what is the what is the measuring stick? How do you? It feels to me like in some cases people do this for a long time and they never really know what the what the goal is or what the finish line is, and so mm-hmm. you're in this constant state of I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet, I'm not there yet. And you're always moving the goalposts on yourself, and that can be a little bit unhealthy, I suspect. Yeah, this is something I spent a lot of time on um, because I think this is a very fair question. When do you know it's time to quit? When do you know it's time to pivot? Or when do you know, you know, I, I can't give up. I've just got to keep going. And so I, I did develop a little scoring system. And, and actually, it's, it's been interesting, Jay, because a lot of people have started to use this now. And uh, they found it very helpful. And in the workbook that goes with the book, there's actually a template you can download. You can keep your own scorecard. And the thing that I was puzzling about is, look, how do you keep people incented when we know it takes, on average, two and a half years, 30 months for most people to have those goals start to gain traction. And so the best thing I could come up with was to look at qualitative events in your life that indicate progress. Because for so many people, nothing really happens and then it does. And so what do I mean by a qualitative event? A, a, a qu- something quantitative is something you can count like money or a sales lead. A qualitative event might be someone asks you a question. That's an indicator that your awareness is going up, that you're being appreciated, that you're becoming known. Maybe being invited uh, to speak to a local group, to be invited to be on a podcast. So I have a whole list of these subtle qualitative things that you can pay attention to and keep track of. 
And as long as those things are happening and building, you got to keep going because you're on the right track. It, it, there could be easy measures of awareness, just like your Twitter followers are going up or your mentions are going up. Now, it can't be that alone. But if you look at all these little things put together, it could be some indicator of momentum and 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 getting yourself in this 30-month mindset that, look, let's reevaluate things after year one. Let's reevaluate after year two. And if you still have this momentum building, keep going. If the momentum isn't built going, then you need to reevaluate. You need to go back to the book and say, all right, what were the assumptions that I made? that were wrong. Did I, do I have the right sustainable interest? Meaning, did I pick the right thing that I wanted to be known for? Am I, am I creating my content? Am I, is my voice being heard in the right space? Or did I underestimate how competitive this was? Am I getting a good reaction to my content? Or do I need to try something else? Am I building the right kind of audience that's really focused on my goals instead of getting a follower count based on my ego? So those are the steps that we would need to do. If, if you're not getting any traction after a year, I would say, it's time to reevaluate and figure out if you need to pivot or not. Mark, I'm fascinated by this idea of a scorecard in terms of as you try to aspire to be more known and and I can assume that the scorecard includes a lot of things that you need to do and do more of. I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious though as you've as you've talked to these you know hundreds of folks uh, and and the ones that you've included in the book, did you find one or two things that these folks who are aspiring to be more known are doing too much of instead of not enough of? I would say. Um they're trying to be in too many places at one time. They look around and they say, oh, um, Jay started a podcast. Oh, Mark's on Instagram now. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. And I think a key and, and certainly a common theme I saw in the people that, that, that made it in their fields was that there was a focus that they picked one area. It could be uh, writing, it could be video, it could be a podcast, it could be Instagram in some cases. Um, And they just mastered that. They did it well. They built their audience there for a year or two before they ever thought about uh, diversifying. There's one great case study in the book. There was a fellow, uh, he's a wealth management advisor in a small seaside village in uh, the UK. And for him to be successful, he had to be known out of this little village. So he started blogging and he had some good traction with the blogging and he did some experimenting with videos. But where he really started to um, get some interesting traction was on a, a podcast. And he just, you know, he was dabbling in this and dabbling in that, but he didn't really have the breakthrough until he committed to a weekly podcast. That's when things changed for him. And like everyone else, uh, he didn't get his first customer from the podcast uh, until 18 months. 
uh, again, not an overnight success, and he's continued to build momentum. Now he's one of the most widely known financial advisors in the UK because people love his podcast. And there's one other thing about that case study I wanted to, to mention. When I interviewed him, he said, I wanted to do something in my life other than make rich people richer. And I heard something like that from every person. They, they told me they want to make an impact. They want to help people. They want to do something more than just sell things. And I thought, this just can't be a coincidence. And when I started getting into the research about what makes people resilient, one of the foundational principles is purpose. So it wasn't a coincidence that to have that consistency, to be able to sustain it, it had to be more than, than about you. It had to be about something more than just making money. Some people knew their purpose up front. Sometimes the purpose followed them after they got into it. But everyone, to, to do it that long, they have some sort of purpose. Do you, do you see that concept of purpose? Because I, I can totally agree with that. I think that, mm. that's certainly an important part of, of kind of what, what, what I'm about, Jay. I know that that's, that's important to you. My question is, are you seeing that in everyone? And, and as you said that, I'm reminded of a, uh, of, of a research study that I read earlier mm-hmm. uh, this year. And I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, but basically the gist of it was that more millennials than any other age group believe that they will be famous uh, more than any generation before them. Mm-hmm. Now, I know one of the things you talk about in the book is the difference between being known <laughs> and being famous. Right. How, how do all those things begin to reconcile with you know, millennials and, and, and younger people? Because I think I believe purpose is extremely important, at least what we learn from a marketing and a branding sure. standpoint. Purpose is so important to them. That, that's exactly right. I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say is that uh, almost every generational research study points this out that the millennial, and I, you know, I hate to pigeonhole a group at all, but there certainly are generational trends. And one of the generational trends is that they want to know what you stand for. They want to know that you believe in something greater than just selling stuff. It's, it's, you know, you see it everywhere. You're starting to see it in a lot of, uh, important, uh, marketing. And, uh, and that is, that absolutely is congruent with, uh, what I have in my book, uh, as well. There was, uh, one of the, people that I, that I talked to was an absolutely delightful, interesting person. She's an artist. And there really is something to being a starving artist. Most artists can't make it financially. And she had actually given up on, a, on an art career. And for fun, she took a class at a, at a college about uh, you know, creating a business case for, for art. So as part of the class project, she created a business case for herself and she, to keep her hand in the, in, in, as an artist, she said, I'm going to create a piece of art every single day. And the only piece of art you can complete in a day is something very small. So she creates this highly detailed piece of art, only about as big, not much bigger than a quarter or maybe a silver dollar. And she does it every day and posts it on Instagram. Now, 
she didn't start out with a purpose. She did it, it really, it was the evolution of a class project. But as she got into it, she recognized that when she became known, she could support others that she believed in. She could support galleries she believed in. She could she could promote causes that she believed in. And so her original commitment, she was going to create a piece of art every day for 365 days. And when the first year was over, she just kept going. She's created a piece of art every day since January 2013. And it's and the only, and the re, one of the reasons she's doing that is because of this purpose that it provides, because she can help other people, other venues, other causes uh, that uh, that she believes in. One of the things that uh, that we were actually talking about on the show last week with with with, with Marcy was this idea of influence and kind of clout score, mm-hmm. and the, the idea that you can be influential. Um, you know, from a wide standpoint, but it's actually more important to be influential in a very narrow area. I think, Jay, your, your analogy was, you know, you could be influential as it relates to technology, but if you're trying to sell a boat, you know, that really isn't going to, to help. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Mark, from a, from a known standpoint, is that important too? Is there kind of an inflection point where you become known in a particular industry or with a particular group? Um, or is, is known something that is, is more kind of broad-based? Well, it depends. It, it has to be something that's aligned with your skills, aligned with your values, something I think most important that you're going to have fun with because you're going to be spending a lot of time with it. And I think it has to be aligned with with your goals of where you want to be in a couple of years. I challenge people to think about if you were being interviewed on a podcast in two years or you were on a stage ready to give a speech what would you be talking about? What are people ready to hear from you? And that's kind of the aim. That's kind of the goal. It's it's not, it wouldn't necessarily be tied to an industry. It could transcend industries, but I'll give you an example. I have been um, actually coaching some executives now on how to become known. And I was talking to this executive at uh, at Cisco and she said, I just don't know what I want to be known for. I'm interested in so many different things. How can I pick one? And as I listened to her, she said, well, you know, I'm interested in martial arts and I do like grief counseling and I'm a psychologist and I'm into extreme sports. And I said, what is the moment in your life that makes you come alive? And she said, I love it when I bring people to their moment of courage. And I said, that's it. That's the theme. And to some people, it may seem disparate. It may seem that there are all these things that are not connected. But if you listen, if you really listen, there's all, almost always something that, that there's this connective tissue that keeps all these interests together. And that's what you want to be known for. That is what's unique about you. And it might take a little exploration to figure that out. And when I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's it. You want to be known for bringing people to their moment of courage. And there was this pause on the phone and I thought she was going to cry. She said, absolutely, that's it. And within, by the end of the week, she had a blog that she had started calling, called Bringing People to Their Moment of Courage. (laughs) 
I'm glad you mentioned blogs. You wrote a book uh, about <laughs> blogging a while ago, and you've got a very successful blog and have for many, many years. Do you feel like uh, blogging is still a good place to start if you're trying to become known, or given the rise of audio content, video content, <laughs> that if somebody's trying to become known from scratch, they might opt for a more multimedia approach to doing so? Well, there's a number of different considerations around picking what is your platform going to be. You have to look at where is your audience. That's got to be a consideration. You've got to look at where are your competitors. That has to be something to think about. But I also believe that it has to be something that you love to do. If you don't love it, your audience will see that. If if it's not fun, you're going to quit. And I don't want you to quit. So I think the the overwhelming uh, consideration should be, is this something that I'm going to have fun with? It's going to be joyful. Now, you know, blogging, it could be seen that it's not growing as fast as, as other uh, media. But my view on that is that um, people learn by reading, by seeing, or by listening. And so the reading part of social media is pretty mature and video is growing very quickly and the audio part is catching up, which is why podcasts are growing so fast because it's been an underserved way to learn. And so that's starting to catch up. But, and, and I don't want to necessarily call it blogging because writing is showing up in so many different places now. It could be your blog. It could be on Facebook. It could be on LinkedIn. It could be in a trade journal, let's say. So, so writing audio video and in some cases, uh, visual, something like Pinterest or Instagram might work. But, but, but basically you got to choose one of those and do it well and stick with it for some period of time. And if blogging is your thing, don't worry what, about what everybody else is doing. Don't worry what the statistics show. I mean, as long as people read, there are, there's going to be written content. So if that's what brings you joy, go for it. Do you feel like it's going to be or is easier or harder for today's young people to become known. So uh, you have a daughter who's uh, in her early mid-20s. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter who's 18. Mm -hmm. Compared to, to old farts like you, me, and Adam, mm -hmm. will it be easier for them to become known or harder because of all the platforms and people creating content? Both. <laughs> you probably know what I'm going to say. <laughs> but, you know, look... Um, we live in a world of incredible information density. And I saw this statistic that between, I think the, the first year was 2015 and 2020, the amount of information on the web is going to increase by 500%. And a lot of people think that's a very conservative number. And all that content competes with all that content. Um, so it's harder to find a niche perhaps uh, today than when you and I started maybe, you know, nine, nine years ago for me, I think it's been 10 years for you. And however, there's so much innovation taking place. There are so many, I mean, look what's happened in the last six months 
with Facebook and Instagram stories and now Facebook stories and Facebook Live and all these content forms are are exploding and they're they're fragmenting and if you look at what's happening even with visual content it's becoming uh interactive it's it's becoming addictive and the thing that inspires me is to think we're just at the beginning here we're at the beginning and if we look back 10 years from now at 2017 we'll think oh my gosh i wish i was alive in 2017 the internet was just a baby there was so much going on. I wish I could go back. There's been no better time in history to start than now. There's no better time in history to start to become known than this day, than today. And that's the biggest problem is taking that step and starting because the ideas and the people and the content that are going to impact us the most 10 years from now haven't started yet, hasn't begun yet, hasn't been invented. You know, it could be you. And so the hardest part is just starting because it is hard and it is scary, but it's going to be less scary and less difficult and more fun six months from now than it is today, but you've got to start. I I think that Mark, that is so important to just go ahead and just start. Don't stop talking about it and actually at least start it. Have one last question before I pass it over to, to Jay for our important messages from our sponsors. So let's 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 assume, Mark, I've read your book. I know, and it's focused kind of around four a four step path to becoming known. And let's say over a co- over the over the course of a couple of years, I indeed get known. Now, after that takes place, now what? Can I continue to use those four steps to kind of maintain, to kind of lather, rinse, repeat? Champagne and Lamborghinis, baby. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, or, like, Mark, do like, I have- like Jay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Living the dream. Yeah. That's right. Caviar dreams and uh, whatever That's memories right. uh, that right. Casey Kasem uh, talked about. Do Mark, do I have to, after I've become known, use those same processes, those same steps to continue my knownness, mm. or does it take a different strategy or tactics to maintain my, uh, my, my network and, uh, and my, my sense uh, in place? You know, I, I love the, the quote in the book. There's, there's this amazing young guy. I interview named Xander Zahn. And if you can imagine, he has a, su- a successful YouTube channel that, that is his, his entire career. This is what he is making his living doing. He's, he sits by himself and plays a bass guitar, just a bass guitar. Oh, I know him well. And his music is incredible. And what's, I mean, Xander, uh, what I loved about his, interview is he just has this sense of urgency. And he said, look, the thing that I have in common with other people that uh, have become known is that I'm willing to put in an insane amount of work. And I'm always learning. I'm always improving. I'm looking at new ideas and new technology and, um, you know, new, new cameras. And I sweat over the details. And I think... It's that sort of passion and and drive 
that keeps it fresh. You know, I know in my own experience, kind of my commitment to my audience is I, I am never going to let them down. I'm always going to be looking for fresh ideas and interesting ideas and content that is, is worth their time every single day, no matter what I do, a podcast or a blog post or whatever I do. And so I'm always exploring and stretching and trying new things and trying new angles. And, and I think you, you, you do have to do that. Um, because you do have this purpose. The other thing Xander said, he said, I don't, I'm not in this so much for the money. I'm doing this because of the reaction that people mm-hmm. are loving okay. my music. And that's what keeps you, that's what keeps you going. That's what, what keeps driving you. I love that. That's, uh, I love that reaction part is so true. One of the challenges for podcasting actually is yeah. that you don't get as much direct feedback and, and audience difficult. interaction as you do on blogging or, or certainly social media. You mentioned content that won't waste your time. Uh, I've got two options along those lines for you this week's social pros. One is from our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud who continue to pay Adam Brown each and every week to be their executive strategist. And they also have this great book that you should download, ebook called The Future of Advertising. It's all about how to get better at your paid social, something that most of us need to know how to do. Go to bit.ly slash Salesforce ads. That's bit.ly slash Salesforce ads. They actually took tons and tons and tons and tons of their clients, aggregated the data, came up with a bunch of interesting patterns and ideas for you to improve your paid social. It's bit.ly slash Salesforce ads. Also, our friends at Yext, the leaders in mobile marketing and reviews, have a a new ebook called How to Win Digital and Real World Foot Traffic with Local Reviews, which was written by me and my pal Daniel Lemon, who's the head of consulting at Convince and Convert. Uh, it's all about how to get more reviews from your customers, how to handle reviews, and how to make reviews part of your marketing arsenal online. Grab it at offers.yext.com slash reviews. That's offers.yext.com slash reviews. Adam? Jay, thank you. And Mark Schaefer, so great to have you on the podcast today. Mark is the author of Known, the handbook for building and unleashing your personal brand in the digital age. Mark, you've, you've written five best-selling books. You, uh, you, 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 you co-host an unbelievably great podcast called The Marketing Companion. You're one of the most retweeted marketing executives in the world. I'm curious because Obviously, you are known by any shape or form. I'm curious, as you wrote this book and as you spoke to these hundreds of people, did you learn any things that they were doing to on their quest or their already success in becoming known that you didn't do? And you said, oh my gosh, if I had only done that <laughs> just a couple years or a couple decades ago. Well, as I mentioned, I started the book with with a hypothesis because I I kind of have been around. I know a, a lot of people who have leveraged the technology out there to to find a way to be known. So I would say that mostly it was uh, mostly it was a validation. I would say the two things that were different were. Number one, the profound impact of uh, consistency. 
um, almost really, uh, you know, trumping anything else that, that, that you do. I mean, it, it can just overcome a lot. Uh, I, I talked about, I interviewed this, this lovely, um, lady who's an author and a poet out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> she's out on the, on a, on the prairie in Colorado and she's become a well-known poet and author, especially when it comes to ho- books about uh, horses and the, the human relationship with, with horses. And she said, you know, I just stuck with it. I just built an audience. Um, it took me a long time. I started small. I knew I had a book in me, but I was never going to be able to have a successful book unless I had an audience. So I started a blog and built an audience. So I think it really, to me, it, it codified my process. I didn't really think of what I did in these four segments. And I probably underestimated the the power of consistency and purpose that that those two concepts weren't even really on my radar screen so i wouldn't say it's really changed anything that i'm doing it it kind of explained it and reinforced it and and maybe gave me validation that you know that i'm on the right path too um i do definitely feel uh, a deep sense of purpose in 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 what i do I'm a teacher in my heart. I can remember when uh, my daughter now is in her late 20s, when she was a little girl, she would, uh, I would help her with her homework. And she said, Daddy, you should be a teacher someday. Uh, because I get so confused at school, but when you explain it to me, I can understand. And I think that is my gift. That's, that's my gift and that's my purpose. And that's what keeps me going. When people tell me, I've had some impact on their lives or their business. Um, uh, I had, I, I end the book to kind of uh, bookend uh, the, the book with a, a sad story at the beginning and a happy story at the end where a young woman came up to me at a conference and said, uh, I, I do what I do because of you. Your blog, your content, your books, you've inspired me. I am who I am because of you. And I responded to her that I am who I am because of a moment like this, because that's what keeps me going is that I, I'm at a great place in my life where it's time to send the elevator back down and share the things that I've learned and to help people and to nurture people. And that's what, that's what drives me. You mentioned recently in a conversation with Phil Gerbyshack, who was a terrific <laughs> social media thought leader. Yeah. You emphasize, you talk about in the book as well, the difference between being known and being famous. And the example you used in that conversation was Gary Vaynerchuk, right. who's been on this podcast two or three times. I'm sure probably everybody who listens to Social Pros mm-hmm. uh, has at least heard of Gary. And and you say people shouldn't use him as the template for becoming known. That's holding yourself to a standard that is, frankly, unachievable. Right. You know, um, <laughs> I think you and I joked about this a couple years ago. Um, there was a time when every single business book had a case study about Zappos. 
And I actually wrote, uh, sometimes I'll do a little summary of different books that I, that I read on my blog. And I, I actually reviewed like 10 different books and I had like a Zappos alert. (laughs) 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 Which book? I mean, cause every single book and it was, it was, it was weird because case studies, it's this two edged sword where it's great to inspire, but you know, to be Zappos, you've got to be Zappos. You've got to have Tony Shea at the helm. You've got to have a little, a culture that's a little off center. And it's the same with Gary. Gary is the new Zappos. He's the icon. He's the case study. He's the hustle. Everybody wants to do that. And I mean, Gary's been around a long time now. He's been around as long as you and I have, maybe a little longer. Absolutely. And, and how many new Garys are there? None. Because there's only one him and there's only one Zappos. And so you've got to, you know, you, you can't, the wrong reason to be known is because you want to be like somebody else or you feel pressured to be somebody else. You have to look at your own goals, your own life, um, and uh, create something that's sustainable for you and your family and the people that that are around you and and what's comfortable uh, for you. And uh, I think too many people are... Are, are looking at Gary like they looked at Zappos and said, okay, look, all I got to do is listen to Gary. And Gary has done a wonderful job inspiring people and energizing people. He's a super smart guy that gives a lot of great advice. Um, but you, you have to stay centered. You have to look within yourself and, and create your own path and your, not, and your own journey, not something that's uh, based on somebody else. Yeah, if you're going to wake up every every day and say, well, I'm not Gary yet, you're going to have a lot of sad mornings. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's just the reality of it. All right, I'm going to ask you the two questions we ask every guest. We asked you these in episode 134, I presume, uh, but I'm going to ask them again because that's how we roll here on social pros. By the way, folks, just another plug. If you don't listen to Marketing Companion, uh, which is Mark's podcast that he does twice a month with Tom Webster, listen to it. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just, uh, just celebrated episode 100 this week. Mm-hmm. I sent you a, a message uh, about that. I don't know if you guys uh, dropped that in there. Yes, they had all kinds yes. of me- messages yeah. from fans. We did. Uh, we used that. Yeah. Good. Thank you. My pleasure. So uh, question number one, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro other than read the book known available in bookstores and uh, websites near you? You know, the thing that um, a lot of people talk about, but still really isn't being activated is this idea to, to be more human in your social presence. It's something I teach at my classes at Rutgers, and I have lots of case studies where even big companies are learning how to do this. It's, I think it's very difficult to love a logo or love a slogan, but we do love people. We create emotional connections to people. And I think that is a real key to marketing as we go forward, not just social media marketing, but, but all kinds of marketing is to create that emotional connection. And I think the root to do that is going to be uh, c- connecting our people to the people out there who need us, who are suffering, or who who love us, and create those emotional connections with people. 
Last question for you. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Oh, any living person. Well, this is going to be a little uh, off-center, I think. I, the other day, I was talking about who, who if I was in a room with a person, who, who would be there that would make me starstruck? It's a pretty short Dick list. Kid. It's a pretty short list. I think number one on the list would be Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> nice. I We've saw, heard Bruce I, before. I ago. saw Bruce when he was first starting out. He was playing a ballroom at a college I was going to. And I was immediately hooked. And I've, 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 I've he's been, he's just been a big part of my life. And, uh, I, I, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen him in concert. And it's a, it's an incredible, almost a spiritual type of, uh, thing for me. Uh, his concerts are like a revival almost. And I, I just, I love his writing. I love his music. Um, and I love his new book. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible. It's almost like a book of poetry. It's so well written. It just made me totally jealous. But I would I would I would that would mean a lot to me to have some engagement with Bruce Springsteen. All right. We'll see if we can pull that together. You should just send him the book known and be like, Hey, you actually did this. You didn't. You just didn't know about <laughs> right. it. I'm sure he would appreciate yes. it. Mark, thanks so much for being on the program. Congratulations on yet another terrific book. Thank Ladies you and so much, Paul. fellas. Appreciate it. It's called Known, the handbook for building and unleashing your personal brand in the digital age. The podcast is called The Marketing Companion. Uh, you can get Known on Mark's site. You can get on Amazon, of course, et cetera, et cetera. And I will uh, see you out there on the speaking circuit, my friend. Thank you, Jay. Thanks so much, uh, both of you guys, for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. We'll do it again in exactly 30, 30 months. 30 months. Uh, 30 <laughs> months. Uh, I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And this, my friends, has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext. And is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.